Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. This show is one in which I uh, pour forth from my mind the dusty attic that is my brain, all the media I have consumed because I'm working under the working theory. I'm working under the working theory that if you don't do so, and that data that input, as Johnny Five would be wont to say, just sits in your mind and festers and boils over. That's not good. You gotta get it out of there. You gotta make room for new things and thoughts and experiences and a, a consumption of media. On the note of media consumption, you may not have consumed some of this media yourself. So, I warn that the possibility exists, I could talk about it, and then that would ruin it for you, potentially. A spoiler warning is what that just was. Folks, I'm going to try to do this quickly. I know I say that a lot, and quite often don't. But this time, I mean it because I got shit to do. Yo, pushing button now. Oh, shit. Okay, well. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Pickled Cocaine. Thank you for that sponsorship. Now, I'm not going to do this so quickly as I just pushed a bunch of segment buttons all at once. That's silly. I'm not going to talk about movies and games in the same segment. <laughs> what, do you, what do you take me for? <sighs> movie the first, King... Of New for some reason I thought it was Kings. Uh, King of New York from 1990. Ah, a drug kingpin is released from prison and seeks to take control of the criminal underworld in order to give back to the community. Oh, so a, 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 a drug uh, a empire leader with a heart of gold, played by none other than Christopher Walken. Uh, you've got some Lawrence Fishburne, David Caruso, Wesley Snipes. There's a lot of uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, a lot of uh, familiar uh, names and faces in this uh, action-y movie from the 90s, which uh, the, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it was because I couldn't recall if I had seen it or not. I don't think I had. And to be fair, just sort of on that note, the potential exists that maybe I did sort of back in the day see it. It's just... Uh, this is not like this movie didn't blow me away. Uh, rating wise, I'll go a solid three, which, uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, a three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And it's just for the reason that it's sort of, 
I, I don't want to use the word bleh. It's just sort of, there's not really any surprises in it, per se. It, it, it sort of ebbs and flows from one scene to another, and there's never really anything that sort of blew me away, per se. There's some some interesting moments. Uh, um, uh, Christopher Walken, uh, good, of course, although he's not at his Walkenest, I would say. Uh, I suppose he was still, uh, uh, he was quite a bit younger, so maybe he hadn't, uh, he hadn't fully become his, uh, uh, his uh, self that you see in some, uh, some of his later films. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just okay. It was, it was an okay, uh, uh, action-y, uh, uh, crime syndicates battling one another other type of movie there's there's better examples out there as well so you know king of new york meh of new york moving on to oh yeah this was a weird one an american pickle from 2020 somehow hmm uh an immigrant war i guess it was probably not made in 2020 yeah are we gonna get a lot of movies in 2021 interesting an immigrant worker at a pickle factory is accidentally preserved for 100 years and wakes up in modern-day Brooklyn. I just realized these first two movies take place in New York. Huh. Unplanned. Unplanned. Uh, this stars Seth Rogen, and uh, there might be a few other faces you recognize, but it's mostly him uh, doubly so, because he's playing uh, two roles. He's playing the uh, aforementioned pickled... A, a, a worker from a uh, hundred years in the past, as well as his uh, modern day relative, uh, was it his great grandson or his great great grandson, um, who just so happens to be the same age. That's a nice coincidence. <laughs> uh, I love a movie with a weird premise. I think this movie even came up last episode. A weird sort of timey present uh, uh, premise, which this has obviously, uh, and it kind of goes places where you're not, you don't necessarily think it is. Like, you think it's mostly going to be about the sort of out of place, out of time character trying to figure things out in this modern world. And that's there, of course. Uh, um, but it doesn't really focus on that necessarily, which I thought was an interesting take. Uh, rating wise, I'd go like a solid four. Yeah, uh, I enjoy this. Uh, I enjoy most Seth Rogen movies in in general. There's, there's, there's I can't think of any that I, I thoroughly dislike, and, uh, and this was a uh, was, was a fun one. Um, he plays uh, he plays well uh, off himself, seemingly. A uh, lot of laughs. Uh, it's some dumb fun, but then also some uh, you know makes you think. So I like an American pickle. Strub specifically, if that is American. Moving on to David Brent colon Life on the Road. Oh, did I mention this? I think it was last episode we spoke of. Uh, uh, I just rewatched the British Office, the uh, British version of the Office, uh, and I have been. So this came out in 2016. 2016. I feel like I've been sitting on this movie since 2016 and just like haven't watched it because I was waiting uh, until I rewatched the British Office before I wanted to uh, watch this and see what it was all about. So uh, a camera crew catches up with David Brent, the former star of the fictional British TV series The Office, as he now fancies himself a rock star on the road. Um, I think 
and uh, I spoke of this in my talk of the office, how uh, David Brent of that version of the office has very little in the way of redeeming qualities uh, compared to say Michael Scott, who uh, w- with him, you kind of know deep down he's, he's despite outward appearances, sometimes he, he's got a good heart as it were. Whereas with, uh, David Brent, much less so. Those uh, those moments in the TV series are few and far between, if ever. <laughs> it's it's sort of debatable whether he's just an asshole, sort of period, full stop. Um, here, you do get some of those glimpses of maybe not being a hundred percent asshole to the core. Um, so I, I I think maybe they sort of realized that. Uh, in order to, well, uh, I don't want to put realizations in their mouths, but uh, it's almost that they realize that uh, perhaps the character having that very, very small tinge of likability uh, is something that audiences, uh, at least, I don't know if they want so much as uh, executives want <laughs> them to have. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying, but... I can't give a rating on David Brent Colin life on the road. I think I'd go 3.8. Yeah, it was good. Funny moments. Uh, it's nice to pick back up and see where uh, this character is. Um, it does still have a lot of that sort of cringe factor. Uh, although now it's with him interacting with, uh, his bandmates as opposed to his office mates. And, uh, yeah, not, too shabby moving on to uh, the fourth and final it's saving best for last film saving private ryan from 1998 yes uh had to i don't know if i say had to use a birthday wish <laughs> for this necessarily but uh we tried to talk the missus into watching this uh she had never seen it god damn Sometimes she says movies she hasn't seen and it makes, it just, it pains me. It pains my brain. And this was probably at the top of the list. This is uh, definitely on my list of movies that everyone should see, period, full stop. Uh, From uh, 1998, uh, easy, easy, five out of five, probably closer to a six out of five, to be honest. Uh, This is just one of the, uh, uh, this is one of the greatest war. I I love a war movie. And this is, one of the best examples of that. Uh, I, I think best of all time in terms of uh, uh, opening scenes to a movie, the, the scene on the beach, Jesus Christ, that is some some just insane, and considering it's from 1998 as well, whew, insane. Following the Normandy landings, yeah, that beginning part, a group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines to retrieve a paratrooper whose brothers have been killed in action. It does almost have a ring, and I think the missus even asked this as well, but I I, I don't uh, think it does. It, it has a ring to a true story, so uh, picture, if you will, a sort of sentimental general gets word that there's a group of four brothers who uh, have been uh, enlisted in the war, and three of them have died. So uh, they know this mother is going to get you know three of those telegrams telling her her sons are died. Now, do they really want to add a fourth? Uh, not only does it not look good, <laughs> just from a PR perspective, um, it, it's also, you know, very, very sad. So why don't we go in there and get the fourth brother and get him home? And that's sort of the story of the movie. Uh, you know, all, all wrapped around World War II and fucking Nazis and shit like that. Uh, Tom Hanks, incredible. 
the whole cast really tom sizemore is great yeah uh, vin, uh young vin diesel i actually forgot he was in this uh, uh giovanni rubisi uh, uh i remember saying um to the missus that he definitely falls into the category of actors who i have never seen him not good in a thing paul giamatti yeah big big names in this ted danson <laughs> I don't know why I laugh at that. It's just sort of weird seeing him in this uh, from, yeah, Becker. Television's Becker. That's not fair. Uh, he, he, he's fine in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, regardless of <laughs> Ted Danson's uh, performance in Saving Private Ryan, uh, definitely a movie you should see. Uh, highly, highly recommend, period. Please watch. Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is New York City. It's like one of the characters of this podcast, basically. At this point, huh. uh, I got two television programs. Although uh, this one, both of them actually sort of fall into the category of uh, 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 what are they called? Documentary crime? Yeah documentary series is which we're going to consider consider yeah tv miniseries yeah this one even says here tv miniseries uh pretend it's a city from i don't know what year 2021 oh yeah huh uh wander the new york city streets and fascinating mind of rye writer humorist and raconteur fran Leibowitz as she sits down with martin scorsese uh, if you're un if you're unfamiliar with Fran uh, Leibowitz, yeah, that's not too surprising. She, <laughs> she's not uh, like like uh, uh, I feel like maybe she's someone who, if you see her, you might recognize her, but not know what she's from. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a ca category I think potentially you could uh, put her in. Uh, this is a thirteen part documentary. Uh, I, I will say right now that the missus and I did not watch all of them, not because we didn't like them. It's just after watching three or four, you kind of get it. <laughs> uh, on that note, of the three and four we watched, uh, I could give an easy rating of, you know, um, three to some fun four moments, even some uh, you know laugh out loud five moments potentially, but the three and change we will say for rating. Um, yeah, <laughs> Fran Leibowitz, she is, uh, and this is one of the reasons, uh, I heard of this and thought, you know, it might be an interesting, um, watch, but, uh, wasn't necessarily going to seek it out, but the missus, uh, uh, seeing previews for this, uh, sort of immediately latch on because she loves a, 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 a sort of a, a sassy, perhaps angry, perhaps grumpy, uh, uh, older woman, uh, you know, you're, Sophia Petrillo's, for example. Uh, not that this woman is as old as uh, Sophia Petrillo, although maybe she is actually. I don't know how old Fran. You know what? Let's click on her name. And the Imbida. Fran Leibowitz. She was born in 1950. That would involve math to figure out, which I am unprepared to do. Enjoy doing that math at home. Uh, yeah, uh, so she both loves and hates New York, seemingly. Uh, the hate maybe shines through a little uh, stronger, but uh, I think you could sort of tell there's love. Um, she's she's a good talker. She talks good. 
Um, so, you know, just, uh, it, it had a bit of a podcasty vibe as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I did like it. Uh, okay. Moving on to TV miniseries, the second night stalker colon the hunt for a serial killer. Oh, um, both of these I should mention available for your viewing pleasure on, uh, Netflix. I think they were both made by Netflix. If I do recall. Uh, yeah, uh, so I had obviously heard of the Night Stalker, uh, didn't really know any of the sort of story, just knew, killed a bunch of people and, uh, was, you know, a very scary, bad dude, but the limit, uh, the, the, the sort of levels of just horror and shit that he did, uh, really did not realize until watching this. So, uh, it, it sort of comes as no surprise that, uh, so this was in the seventies. <coughs> excuse me uh this was in the 70s and the fact that we still to this day sort of uh people talk of him uh is now much less surprising uh a little before my time i was born in 81 so uh or, or, or i guess he was in the early 80s so i was just a kid uh didn't really uh, uh, what i wanted to do and i forgot to do and maybe i'll get to at some point was ask my mom if she remembers like seeing like on the news during these times like stuff about him because we're in Canada so it's not like we're watching too much in the way of crime news but I suppose if there's a serial killer especially one of this sort of sheer evilness to use probably a word you could um if that uh, knowledge would probably trickle to other countries as well I, I feel like you have to assume it would yeah, uh, some interesting things in this documentary. Uh, it, it, you are going to get the the story, I think, of uh, of what he's done and how he was captured and things of that nature. But uh, the police in this particular, uh, th they managed to focus on and get to film uh, a lot of uh, the police who were involved with the uh, 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 trying to find and capture uh, Richard Ramirez. Um, and it was interesting, some of the things, like, one part in particular sort of jumps out of my mind, where one of the cops sort of just admits to, be like, beating up, a, not even a suspect, just, <laughs> like, punching and roughing up a, uh, just like a citizen trying to get information about this, and just, like, freely admits it. Uh, and, and there's other sort of moments of this where you see the uh, police and you hear of their actions and just think, Jesus Christ, like, how are people in power doing shit like this? And this is in the 70s. And has it gotten better? No, if anything, it's fucking gotten worse. So, uh, you know, defund the police uh, is my takeaway from this. Yeah. How did that happen? Watched a Ricker <laughs> Night Stalker documentary and now more than ever, uh, uh, leaning towards the uh, defunding of police and refunding that money in areas that will help more. Uh, that's what people don't often, uh, they don't finish the sentence, let's say. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about books. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Coconut Radio. Thank you for that sponsorship. 
Okay, I think I mentioned last uh, either episode or definitely last book banter that uh, I spent almost the full year, the full quarantine, uh, reading Dragonlance books and uh, finally decided to uh, call it quits on those just because the last uh, uh, trilogy didn't quite grab me. Um, you know, I'm sure in time I will revisit some of the ones that I haven't read. Uh, and, and it was a hell of a year. So uh, thank you, f- uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, for the vast majority of the ones I read. Uh, I just decided to do a little palate cleanser, I'm going to call this, in the form of uh, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Ah, that book. Uh, this is a book that I've read... God, this had to have been, I bet you it was five, five, five times or so. It's one that I, the, sort of the reason why I'm calling it a uh, palate cleanser, one that I've sort of read a couple of times. Uh, it, it's a simple read, sort of a, 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 I don't want to say it's aimed at children, but I suppose, yeah, when did this come out? Uh, so, oh, okay. <laughs> I knew it was old. I didn't know it was quite that old. Uh, first published in 1879. <laughs> So it does have some age to it. And the fact that it's still around, you know, that's got to be some sort of uh, indication that it's a, it's a good book, which I can verify it is Uh, a a fun read, uh, um, a read that it's almost like aimed at uh, 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 boys and young men of the time. It it sort of has that feeling. And and you know what it reminded me of? And it it made me sort of think of uh, uh, since 1879, has uh, books that sort of starred young men, as this does, um, like your Harry Potters, like your oh, what's the one by that racist guy, uh, Ender, uh, like like ones like that where it's like a, a, a book that takes a, a young a young man and uh, puts him in a sort of heroic role. Um, or have those always been popular? Seemingly. Because that is what happens in this. Uh, let me read the Goodreads. Looks like it's a long one. <coughs> oh. For sheer storytelling delight and pure adventure, Treasure Island has never been surpassed. Well, okay. I don't know if that's accurate, but, uh, you know, it's up there, let's say. From the moment young Jim Hawkins first encounters the sinister blind pew... That's a name, Pew. Uh, at the Admiral Benbow Inn, until the climactic battle for treasure on a tropic isle, the novel creates scenes and characters that have fired the imagination of generations of readers. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Written by a superb, superb prose stylist, a master of both action and atmosphere, the story centers upon the conflict between good and evil. Uh, yeah, yeah, meh. Uh, but in this case, a particularly engaging form of evil. Yeah. It is the villainy of the most ambiguous rogue, Long John Silver. Uh, that sets the tempo of this tale of treachery, greed, and daring, designed to forever kindle a dream of high romance and distant horizons. See, yeah, that I feel like it does do. Treasure Islands is... Uh, in the words of J, uh, G.K. Chesterton, okay, I don't know who that is, the realization of an ideal, that which is promised in its provocative and be- beckoning map of vision, not only of white skeletons, but also green palm trees and sapphire seas. Okay, <sighs> calm down. Uh, G.S. Fraser terms it 
Okay, getting a couple of quotes on this one. Uh, an utterly original book. Hmm. Yeah, maybe in 1879. And goes on to write, uh, there will always be a place for stories like Treasure Island that can keep boys and old men happy. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, see? The, before even reading, that's what I said. Okay, so add my quote to this. Goodreads description. That doesn't really describe the book too much. Uh, yeah, so there's an island, there's treasure, there's pirates, there's a, a young boy who uh, saves the day on multiple occasions, almost accidentally a couple of times, uh, and it's just fun, uh, and, and really fits the place of that palate cleanser I was looking for, not least of which because I've uh, read it a couple of times. One of, yeah, definitely one of the first books that I sort of, when I started reading for pleasure... Uh, this was one of the books that sort of pulled me in. So, you know, I, I gotta be thankful for that. Um, rating wise. Yeah. Five out of five. Uh, it, it, it's an easy, uh, uh, an easy five out of five and an easy read. So I, I do recommend treasure Island. If you're going to read a classic, Hey, why not? Oh, uh, palette cleanser before I started reading, uh, dark sun, uh, some dark sun novels. So I'm going to read a bunch of those. Um, I, I'm only the prologue into one and so far it's, uh, so far, it's interesting, so that's fun. Uh, what am I pushing now? This, I think. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Mr. Wing's Curiosity Shop. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, doing a sort of a little different one here today. Uh, not dissimilar to the uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons recaps that I will occasionally read in a game cabin segment. Uh, here, I haven't uh, written up a recap, but just going to talk a little bit about a session I just ran the other day. Uh, I suppose I could do this. For, yeah. uh, uh, it's just I've run two uh, somewhat recently in the... Uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons roleplay Discord server that I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times. Uh, so this one I'm going to talk about, uh, I have titled Return to Asimovville. Uh, it is a, uh, a, a session, a, you could run it as a one shot, which is basically what I've done. Uh, but it is from a campaign. Uh, it was from the very first campaign I ever ran. Um, and something that I, uh, sort of the reason I chose this was because on this server, there's, there's only a handful of, uh, like high level, uh, characters. Like I'm talking from, uh, I think like 16 to 20, there's, there's maybe only four. So there, there's not many, so they don't get sessions run for them very often, uh, for obvious reasons that not many people are that high. So, uh, I saw that and, um, sort of put two and two to do together with the fact that I knew this, uh, uh, this particular session, this, even though this is a pretty long, so, uh, this, yeah, this particular session would work well for, um, people of any, uh, any level, just because it doesn't focus so much on battle, although you're, the, there is one, um, it, it, it's more a, a, a city sized puzzle. Uh, okay. So this harkens back to when I first started, uh, writing campaigns, um, uh, my first campaign was called, uh, balance. Uh, I, I give all my campaigns a one word name. Uh, I call it balance because it was, uh, loosely based on the balance arc from the adventure zone. Uh, just in terms of a group, 
uh, going out and seeking uh, grand relics of great power. And, and that was sort of the bones of the campaign, uh, at least at first. It, it definitely uh, went different places uh, quite a bit from uh, what happened in Adventure Zone uh, because I finished uh, uh, writing it out before that ended. <laughs> also because uh, I, I don't take... I'll, I'll take the sort of grand scope of a thing like the Balance Arc... Um, but then changed, you know, every single aspect within. For example, they had uh, in an episode of that a town, uh, or I guess it was a city as well. Uh, they had a, uh, was it a city? Ah, it doesn't matter. They had a city that uh, would reset in time. So it was like each day, uh, the day would start, Groundhog Day style would start over uh, and you'd find yourself, you know, at the beginning of the day. And uh, uh, I forget what happened in that, but what happened in this is you have to, uh, find, uh, how it's happening and then find a way to stop how it is happening. Uh, I'm not going to give away, but, uh, one of my sort of, uh, very few, uh, prideful moments <laughs> just in life, because I'm not a prideful person, uh, was the fact that the first time I ran this, uh, all I had was the city uh, what was causing, um, uh, what was causing the reset and then just a bunch of areas within the city that people could visit. Um, when the, the pride comes in, not from that, but the fact that, uh, uh, I came up with sort of spur of the moment as we were playing, um, there is six. I think it's more than six. Oh yeah, eight. Okay, so there's eight different sort of prime locations in this city, the city of Asimovville. Um, and at each of these locations is a person who uh, wants something and has something to offer. Um, the, uh, the thing that they want uh, can be found at one of the other locations. The thing that they have is needed at one of these other locations. So it's up, it's up to the people who are sort of re reliving this day, uh, to figure out who wants what and who needs what. And once all of those things have been met, uh, that will not only tell them how this town is be being reset, uh, but tell them how to stop it and give them the means with which to stop it. So, uh, it, it's sort of like the, uh, there was an episode of uh, Deep Space Nine with the self-stealing stem bolts where it was like that, uh, that, that sort of never-ending, uh, and, and this has been done in, it's a trope even, this has been done in uh, many different forms where it's sort of that, uh, you know, you, almost like the little old lady swallowed the fly to get the blah, 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 swallowed the frog to get the fly, swallowed the cat to get, you know, that, that sort of thing. Like it's a ever-progressing way in which, uh, you, you can sort of work your way through this. Um, so this time around, uh, rather than wing that portion of it, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I don't know really how I managed to do it. I, I must've just been really in the mode to, to come up with those things, uh, uh spur of the moment. This time I actually planned out what, uh, everyone wants. Uh, okay. So, uh, let me just run down the locations. Uh, and I won't spoil it. I'll just tell you what the uh, locations are, just so you can sort of get a get a feel for the city of Asimovville. First of all, a lot of constructs, aka robots. Um, 
so it's a, a play on sort of Isaac Asimov. Uh, so we've got uh, Mr. Wing's Oddity Shop. Um, Mr. Wing is, uh, and maybe I'll tell you the references as well. Mr. Wing is the name of the character from Gremlins who is selling, or not selling, uh, uh, Mogwai, but, uh, you know, has one. Uh, we've got uh, Minnie's China Shop. Uh, Minnie is a minotaur, which is a reference to Bull in a China Shop. We've got the Timekeeper, which is, of course, from uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, we've got uh, Moxie's Brothel, which is from Borderlands. We've got the Hyrule Archery Range, which is from the Hyrule Archery Range. Uh, we've got Quarf's uh, uh, Bar and Grill, uh, sort of a little cork, DS9. Uh, uh, we've got uh, Tobolowski's Year Good Rubber. Uh, Tobolowski is the name of the actor who played... Uh, uh, I don't know what his name was in Groundhog Day. Uh, the one who goes, Phil, Phil Connors, that guy. Um, we've got uh, Moogie, the Queen of the Kobolds. Uh, and we've got Mayor Frank Stein. And I think that's it. Uh, so uh, each of them need and want things. Uh, and uh, did sort of cool time stuff that uh, uh, when it resets, there's sort of fatigue as well. Uh, and also that your spell slots don't come back. So by the end, I think, uh, uh, and these are high, high level, uh, PCs. They were down maybe a quarter of their max, uh, HP, give or take. And that's sort of where I was aiming for. Just give them that sense of they're not going into this, uh, final battle, uh, fully prepared, uh, that sort of idea. There was one cool point too, just from a, uh, sort of planning perspective was, um, I think they were their second or getting into their third, uh, uh, reset of the town. And then you have to start planning like, okay, uh, I've been up for, uh, uh almost 20 hours. If I don't take a long rest, I'm going to start uh, taking levels of exhaustion. But if I take a long rest, I'm going to miss a reset and then that's going to bring my max HP down more. So uh, there's some strategy involved there. Ended up working really well. It's funny. Um, sort of a weird coincidence uh the first time i ran this back in my original campaign um i can't remember if we had three or four players i think we had four but only two sh two were able to make it uh this time uh three signed up and only two were able to make it and it, it's sort of perfect uh not just in terms of that being a strange coincidence but also that it's almost like this uh, session works well with just two players. Like I think, uh, it, it might get more complicated as you start adding players and all these NPCs and locations and stuff like that. Uh, really, really worked well. Uh, okay. Uh, that's my talk of, uh, return to Asimovil. Return because it keeps resetting is the joke there. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is the Corvega Atomic V8. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right. Uh, firstly, talking Oxhorn. Oh, this is a uh, YouTube personality, uh, specifically one who does uh, uh, video game related uh, uh, stuff. 
Uh, and I am specifically talking his uh, Fallout lore deep dives. Uh, yeah, uh, so this guy puts out a shit ton of content, man. Uh, specifically, ones I've been watching are uh, mostly his Fallout 4 videos, where he is basically uh, going to each uh, sort of location. Uh, uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to boil it down. He'll go to a location on the map, and then not only sort of thoroughly explore it, but then also delve into the sort of lore and the story behind each location. Um, just a really, really cool deep dive. And some of the stuff, like I haven't played Fallout 4. It, I can't even remember. My sort of thought for Fallout 4 is, uh, I feel like one day I'll probably uh, get a HTC Vive. Uh, right now I have an Oculus, but uh, Fallout 4 is only available on HTC Vive. But I've, uh, so, so my sort of tentative, you know, somewhere down the road game plan is next time I play Fallout 4, uh, I want to do it in VR. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Maybe not. You know, one, one thing I'm curious about, uh, and I should look into this, uh, Fallout 4 VR, uh, building bases, how is that? <laughs> is it good? Is it bad? Is it hard? Is it easy? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to picture, like, moving about and shooting stuff that I can sort of get, but, like, building bases, it feels like it would be tricky in VR to, uh, just in terms of controlling and placing and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious. Maybe I'll look into just that aspect of it. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, He's got sort of a, a pleasing, relaxing voice. Like I've been watching these like uh, before bed or when I get up to sort of ease myself into and out of the day, as it were. Uh, and they're good. So uh, I, I recommend checking them out. I almost feel like like they're, they're, they're good to the degree that even if you don't care about Fallout, you could uh, watch one of these and, you know, just, just chill out for a bit, man. Dude, chill out. <sighs> Next item, Adam Savage's One Day Builds. Ah, yes, uh, not similar to Oxhorn in that uh, uh, sit down, watch one of these, just sort of chill out, uh, get some knowledge and get some wisdom as uh, uh, Mr. Adam Savage uh, pours forth both in equal measure, I would say. Uh, in this one, uh, he made custom end tables. And, uh, one of the reasons I brought this back was because, uh, occasionally, uh, I can get the missus to watch one of these. Uh, and, and she, uh, she doesn't mind them. Uh, she doesn't watch, uh, you know, every single one like I do, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll find one that I think might tickle her fancy, uh, and, uh, seemingly has fun watching them as well. So, you know, that's something when both the missus and I can watch something and, uh, enjoy it like this. Hey, that's a win. Win. Uh, and, and, and tables, uh, looked cool and all. So, you know, cool. Uh, uh next we have a uh, trailer park boys, the Kittyman sea shanty. Yep. Sea shanties. Well, that's a thing now, apparently. Uh, I think I heard about it on a podcast or oh yeah I, I, whenever there's sort of a new thing that comes along I was just probably a, a, assume I hear someone say you, you listen to podcasts basically all day every day uh, um, that's sort of how I assume uh, knowledge of new things new new memes and such sort of trickle in apparently sea shanties are big now 
Uh, it sort of started on TikTok, which, uh, although I'm familiar with TikTok and the missus watches it uh, obsessively, annoyingly. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so this is the Trailer Park Boys, their take on a sea shanty, and it's pretty goddamn delightful. And, uh, you know, it's about kitties because Bubbles is singing, of course. So you have to check it out please and thank you. Uh, internet intercourse segment is about me finding things I love on the internet and bringing them back and forcing you to experience them for yourself. Things like, last but not least, Doughboys, colon, Five Guys, Two with Andy Daly. Yes. Podcast royalty, Andy Daly, uh, appearing on uh, Doughboys to talk about the chain restaurant Five Guys, which I have, uh, no, do they have those in Canada? There's one of those, I think we do, Five Guys, can um, there's, there's one of the restaurants uh, that people talk about, Five Guys, Shake Shack, one of them we have in Canada, I can't remember which one, <laughs> fiveguys.ca, that's a good sign, yep, okay, so we do have Five Guys in Canada, where would I have to go, <laughs> locations, alright, you're witnessing live me trying to find where the closest uh, uh, Five Guys is. Okay, so I'll put in my address. Okay. Brampton, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Brampton is the closest. So, next time I find myself in Brampton, although I haven't left the house in almost a year, so probably not going to be too soon, I can go check out a Five Guys. Nice to know. Which, uh, after listening to this episode, you know, sounded fine. It sounded like uh, uh, they, they sort of upscale it a little bit compared to, like, a McDonald's or whatever. You know, a, a place like that. And it, it didn't really blow me away. But... Uh, if you're listening to Doughboys, the odds that you are listening just for the food uh, reviews are probably slim because that's not really, uh, it's what the show is about, but it's not what the show is about. Uh, it's just, uh, ridiculously funny people sitting down and saying ridiculous things funnily. Uh, so to have Andy, Andy Daly there to participate was a goddamn delight. And, uh, I hope you check it out for yourself, folks. A long episode. <laughs> you know why? Because I said I wanted to do it quickly, so I done fucked up. Uh, it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be 
won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.